So, so we're in a sermon series. We're starting the year out. And, um, and also, I've been getting a lot of questions about the, the Book of Revelation series we're going to do. So we're going to start that in February. And we're going to go through the whole book, but we're probably going to start and stop a little bit to do some other things in there, like Easter and stuff. Um, but I'm really excited about that. And what I want to do with that is give you biblically sound information about probably the, 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 most, the weirdest book in the Bible, right? It's got a lot of stuff in it. But also, how can we tie that into the way we live our lives now? You know, because I'm, I'm really big on how, how do we apply the Word of God to our lives. And so there's a lot of things in there that people have questions about. But in order for us to be ready for that time, we need to be prepared, right? Mentally and spiritually. So, so that'll start up in February. But for now, we're doing this t- series titled The Great Reset. And last week, we, we, we started this series by looking at how we can seek God for resetting our lives, right? Because every now and then, we need a fresh start. And many of us, when we invited Jesus into our lives, that was a reset, right? We, we invited Jesus into our lives. We knew that we couldn't do this on our own anymore. Our sinful nature, our old self was put behind us, was put to death, and a new life began. That, that's a reset. And then... There are many times throughout our lives where we need to start over. We, we, we need a do-over, right? Maybe some of those old habits crept into our lives again, or, or maybe we just want something, but, you know, we want to advance, maybe in our career, or we want our marriage to be in sync a little bit more. We want to be a better parent or something. And, and so we, we want to kind of like reset things in our lives. And Jesus is the one who can help us do that. And the first step to this process is to talk to him about it. You know, Jesus, I, I, you know, my, my marriage isn't, we, we, are, we are at odds, and, and God, I, I, I want you to help me serve my, my, my wife. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm the husband, I'm, I'm asking him to help me serve my wife, because that's my role. God, I, I, I really want to advance in my career. I, I really want to get, you know, a little bit further in my schooling. I really want to kind of, I, I want some, some, some help in, in, in overcoming this anxiety or depression or whatever it is. And see, we can't just ask him and then be done with it. Because that doesn't mean, that doesn't show that you're ready to put in the hard work. Because it takes hard work, right, to do a reset. But you begin this dialogue with God. This is how I do it. I start to talk to him about it. God, I really need some help. I really need you to bring somebody into my life that, that can help me, that can teach me, that can guide me, you know, other than you. Because here's the thing, I was thinking of this. Sometimes we go through these periods of life where, where so many people have upset us, we, we, we're, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need people in my life, it's me and Jesus. Well, that might be okay for a chapter of your life, but you need more than just Jesus in your life. You need other people, Amen. you know? And, and the people are the ones who can help you. They can build you up. If you have people around your, in your life who are tearing you down, they're not the people you need in your life. So you gotta find those people who will help build you up, and you create this dialogue with God. God, I, I just, I need somebody, God. And then you begin looking and seeing where he's at. And, and, and also what you might find is that he may say, I see where you want to go, but, but if we just tweak it a little bit, I got something better for you. Or, or if you start reading the Bible a little bit more, stay close to me. I'm going to give you some wisdom 
on how you can get to where you want to be with this reset. And then once that is established, again, we need people in our lives to keep us accountable. And we talked about joining a small group. We call them life groups here, here in this church, which, by the way, ours meets this evening. Um, Thomas and Alicia Dixon, they've got a, a great life group. We've got uh, uh, Ivana Diani has a women's group, meets here on Wednesday mornings. We have another women's group on Tuesday evenings. We have life groups that meet all throughout the week in this church where you can be around other people that can help you in life. And here's the thing about that. When you build friendships with people that you trust, they can help you because they see things in you that you don't see. And when done in a loving manner, they can help you in those areas. So that's, that's, that's another important step to all of this. And then so today, what we're going to do is we're going to go a little bit deeper into this subject by looking at what our greatest struggle is when trying to create the desire for something new. Like, we can ask God about it all day long, but if we don't have the desire or the drive for the reset, for something new, it isn't going to happen. But we have something that is an obstacle to all of us, and we're going to look at that today. But where does this desire, where does this drive come from? Because life is all about choices. We all go through life making choices. Remember, God gave us free will. We, we have the free will, the ability to reject God. We have the free will to accept God. We have the free will to accept God and do life on our terms, which is not very healthy. We have free will, right? And that's often what gets us in trouble sometimes. But our free will and part of that free will is the desire to choose. You can choose how you want to live your life as a believer and as a non-believer. You can choose what paths you want to go down as a believer and as a non-believer. I choose to follow the path that God has for me. It's not the easiest, but it means that I need to be close to him to understand where he wants me in life. And as human beings, our thought process is where everything starts. And my, oh my, how that thought process can be a tangled web of things, right? Sometimes the stakes for the desire to change are high, but they are even higher when kingdom-minded values are a part of the equation. So we're going to start today by reading a passage in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, and we'll start with verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Colossus, and he says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So what exactly does that mean? 
Well, it means that as followers of Jesus, our reality is in the kingdom of God, being heavenly minded. This is what, there's a vertical part and a horizontal part to the cross. This is the vertical part of the cross. We all want to get to heaven, so we've all got to be thinking about the kingdom if that's where we want to go. We've got to be kingdom minded. That's why our thoughts, our minds need to be focused on the things of God not the things of the earth, the things of this world. And if you remember, some of you that were here over the summer, we did a a series. You'll hear me often talk about this, but we really dialed in on it with this series about miracles. As a follower of Jesus, part of our reality is in the spirit realm, is in the supernatural. When we ask God for a healing, when we ask God to move in our lives, He dwells in the supernatural. He dwells in the spirit realm. So his spirit, his Holy Spirit, in the supernatural spirit realm collides with our natural realm in order for that to happen. So we have one foot in the natural and one foot in the supernatural world as followers of Jesus. And we have to understand that in the supernatural world is both the Holy Spirit and both unholy spirits that we have to battle. But God's presence dwells in the supernatural and it collides with our natural. Does that make sense? So that's why we need to be kingdom-minded. And the more kingdom-minded our thought process is, the more focused on the things of God we will be when it comes to the desire for something new. If I'm reading the Bible on a regular basis and I'm thinking about what I'm reading and I'm dwelling on the things of God, That's going to be a natural part of my thought process when I want something new to happen in my life. When we are intentional of our thoughts being more kingdom-minded and not focused on the things of this earth, then our faith in Jesus, who is our life, is revealed and shared with those around us. It's revealed and shared with the whole world. But see, that's the horizontal part of the cross. As followers of Jesus, we don't get to keep Jesus to ourselves. We have to share him with others. The moment you share your faith with somebody and Jesus is revealed to another person and they say to themselves, I I, I like what I'm feeling inside. I've never felt this before. Oftentimes you hear people say, "I, I, I feel alive. That's God's Holy Spirit. If you were a part of ushering that into somebody's life, you now get to share in the glory of God's kingdom being revealed to another person. We, we want to know what God's glory is like. God's glory is that feeling you get when you see somebody go, ah, I'm a new person. And I want to thank you for inviting me to your church. This never would have happened if you weren't in my life. That's part of God's glory. Because A person, when they make that 180 degree turn, when they're living lives on their own and then they ask Jesus into their life and they start following Jesus, that's a miracle. And we get to be a part of that. God invites us to be a part of that. So that's the horizontal part of the cross. How many people can we bring along with us to the vertical part? And some of us, some of us are only called to bring a few people. Some are called to bring a lot. Some have the gift of evangelism and they just, they, they, They are not afraid to share their faith. And some of us are a little more timid and some of us are a little more like withdrawn and and whatever. And, you know, for me, I like to kind of read the person a little bit. And I like to give them a chance to kind of ask me a question. That's how I do it. But everybody's got their own 
got their own uh, um, um, thing for that. So, so this passage here in Colossians chapter 3 can be very helpful when it comes to the struggles we have that start with our thoughts. See, because the mind, our intellect, it's a very powerful thing, is it not? And this is where all of our internal conflicts start, right here. How many of us would disagree with me that I've never been awake all night thinking this, that, and the other, and oh my gosh, how can I turn this thing off? <laughs> our minds are powerful. You know, we, we are a three-part being. We're, we're, we're mind, body, and spirit. Our hearts are our spirits. Our mind is our soul. It's our intellect. And then our bodies. Isaiah chapter 26, Isaiah said this. Speaking of God, he said, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, God. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. It is God himself who brings perfect peace to those whose thoughts are fixed on him, to those who are kingdom-minded in all they do. Now, this doesn't mean that, that I will always be at peace and nothing bad's going to happen, and thank goodness my, my mind is fixed on, you know, God, you, you, if, I, if I think about you, I will have perfect peace all the time. It's not what it means. But it does mean when hard times come your way, you will have peace in that process. No matter how struggling it is, there may not be peace in the midst of it, but there will be peace in the end of it when you get to look back and see where God brought you through all of that. That's what that means. Stay focused on God. Listen to this, Proverbs chapter four. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What starts in our minds affects our hearts. God, God speaks to our hearts, but our hearts and our minds are connected, right? What starts in our minds affects who we are. It affects our decisions. It affects our desires and eventually determines the course of our lives. You gotta guard that. What are you allowing in? And, and, and really, this statement is true whether you believe in Jesus or not. How many people do you know that are not followers of Jesus and are very successful because they've got boundaries? How many people do you know that are not followers of Jesus and you really wish they would be because you see the mistakes they're making? Guard your heart, church. It determines the course of our lives. Good thoughts lead to good behavior, good actions, good reactions. Bad thoughts lead to unhealthy behavior, unhealthy actions, unhealthy reactions. And, and the truth is, we are constantly going over things in our mind, right? Like we needed to buy a new washer last week. So what do you think I was doing? Oh, this one? No, 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 that one? Uh, which one's the best one? Uh, wait, Kim does all the laundry, so what do you want? <laughs> that was, and then I finally dialed in on the right thought to have. You pick. <laughs> but right, we're constantly in business. We're constantly going over things, weighing out the pros and cons in our spiritual world. Weighing out the pros and cons. Do I join this life group? Do I join that one? I didn't really connect with anybody there, so therefore I'm never doing life groups again. No, 
Try another one. Try one until you connect with people in that group. That's what it's all about. If you come to our life group and you don't connect with me or Kim or anybody else, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I want you to find a group that best suits you. See, we, we're constantly weighing out decisions. And depending on the severity or the weight of the decisions depends on the level of the struggle we have internally, right? Like a little something that you might not know about me is I have no problem making huge decisions. And especially decisions like that are very stressful and we need a decision to be made right now. I, I thrive in that environment. But when it's like, well, should I buy the Brazilian coffee or the Colombian coffee? I don't know. Kim, what do you think I should do? I don't, I don't know what I should get. I, I have struggled with the smaller decisions. But because I just, I don't know why. It's just, just the way I'm wired. But we all have internal struggles that are a little bit different than the other. Some of us can't, we, we, when it comes to a decision, we just, we, it all goes out the window and anxiety kicks in and then depression and then we can't make a decision, right? Because it's here. But when our minds are fixed on God, he will keep you in perfect peace. And when that internal struggle in your mind starts happening, you go to Isaiah 26, God, your word says you will keep me in perfect peace. I'm freaking out over this decision. Can you please give me some peace? Really? And you might not feel it instantly, but I guarantee you eventually you will. And this is where the benefits of following Jesus come into play. When staying focused on him, our kingdom-minded principles, on kingdom-minded principles, we have a peace that transcends all understanding. That's in Philippians chapter 4. A peace that surpasses all understanding. We have a peace that can see beyond any set of confusion that's in front of us because that peace comes from God's Holy Spirit. We have a peace that keeps us grounded during the tough chapters of life. And we have a Savior who offers his Holy Spirit to help us with those decisions when we're struggling. So here's the thing. We'll never get a reset started until we get the right mindset going. It's never going to get off the ground until we get the right mindset going. And oftentimes, you just need to dial in on some verses that, that, that mean something to you, that jump out of the page at you, and hold on to those. God, I, I really need some help in this area of my life, but I'm just, I'm such a mess. And then you find some verses that speak to your mess, and you cling to those. God, your word says this. I need you to help me get out of this so I can move forward in life. Nobody wants us to succeed more than our Savior. And for a follower of Jesus, the right mindset is to be kingdom-minded. We have to be in his word. A mind focused on the things of God. Because this is how we fight the battles that we struggle with. And the Bible is very clear that we are constantly battling our thoughts. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, all these books, Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, these are all letters that he wrote to churches. But I think in Romans chapter 7, 
He was a little transparent about how he was feeling. Listen to this. Romans chapter 7, the whole chapter is like this, and then he clears it up in in chapter 8. But listen to this. Romans 7 verse 21. I have discovered this principle of life, he says, that when when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody anybody relate to that? I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. This is the Apostle Paul. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? That is an internal struggle that the Apostle Paul had, that he wanted the church in Rome to know, listen, it's not just me going through this. We're all going through this, some of us more than others. And this is a personal testimony from him. This is him being transparent, I believe, with us. But here's the deal. It's the same for us, church, right? When it comes to battling our sinful nature, our old self, who we were prior to Jesus, and that battle is something that will always be here. But I want to make something very, very clear We cannot blame our bad decisions of our sinful nature on our sinful nature. That's like saying, well, the devil made me do it. Right, but somewhere in your thought process, you made a decision to move forward with that. You gotta own it. You gotta own it, church. Here's the other thing I wanna make, be very, very clear about. That is why Jesus came to this earth, to reveal the love that God had for mankind and to take our place on the cross. See, because of the sin that Adam allowed into the world by eating from the fruit, from the tree, we are all born with a sinful nature. And until we invite Jesus into our lives and ask for the forgiveness of our sins, we are controlled by that sinful nature. But Jesus redeems us of that. And here's the thing, this is the hope. No matter how much we struggle with our sinful nature, Jesus is always there to help us out. If we have to have a do-over, every three hours throughout the day, he's there for us. Once a week, every three days, once a month, he's there for us. That is the good part about the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. But we all have this constant battle going on in our mind, right? With our thoughts. And it often causes tension between two desires. The desire to do what is right, what is kingdom-minded, and the desire to do what might not be in my best interest. There's tension in that. Some of us fight this tension more than others. Here's the thing. Well, first of all, you know what? If you're identifying with that, you're like, oh, I hate it. I don't even talk about it anymore. Sometimes I just give up because I, I don't have the strength to fight it. There's a book that was written 20 years ago or so, Changed My Life, by a lady named Joyce Meyer. She's an evangelist, uh, uh, preacher, 
called the battlefield of the mind. If you struggle with this, just like the Apostle Paul is saying here, get that book. It'll change your life. It really will. The Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. Because our mind, here's the thing, our mind is our greatest asset. Some of the greatest, I mean, I mean think about it. Like Sir Isaac Newton. What gave him the idea to do some of that stuff? Well, we know, you know, God's Holy Spirit, but his mind. Well, great businessmen, our minds, their minds. You know, but the devil also knows that the mind is the greatest asset to the human being. Because without our brains, without our intellect, we would not be the people we are. You would not have the characteristics that you have if it wasn't for your brain. Your brain is what makes you who you are, and then you act on that stuff, and then you start developing a character out of that. And, and then the devil and his demons, his minions, see, they can't read our minds. And, and, and by the way, it's not the devil that's attacking you. You know, he's, he's rearranging world powers. He's, he's messing with world leaders. But there are plenty of demons out there that are coming after us. But they can plant thoughts. And they can, they can, um, they can cause suggestions. And they can steer us in directions we didn't think we were going to go. And they can cause so much mental noise that we can't focus on the kingdom of God. And they can do all of this stuff. You know, I, I once heard it said years ago, like, like if I was a demon, this is crazy, but I'm just going to say this anyways. If I was a demon, I would hang out at the church. I would hang out in the small groups. And I would whisper to that person about that person. And I would plant that thought. And if I do my job right, then that person is going to tell this person about that person. It's subtle. But that's how they work. Crafty and conniving those demons are. And it is in our minds that God's Holy Spirit helps us with the process of being a changed person. Because our hearts and our minds are connected. Our spirit is our hearts. It's connected to the things of God. God's Holy Spirit lives within us. <clears throat> and he speaks to our hearts. But the decisions and the thought process go on in our minds. Last week, we, we started with this passage. I'm going to read it again. But this is, a, this is a, a common theme in all of Paul's letters to the churches. Ephesians chapter 4. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. He says this again to the church in Colossus, chapter 3, verse 10. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says, be imitators of God. Learn to become like him. Imitate the things of God. Imitate what you're reading, what you're learning, what God is teaching you. It's a common theme throughout the New Testament, this is. And then, listen to this, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 7 is all about Paul's internal struggles, and then chapter 8 kind of gives the answer to those struggles. But listen to this, Romans 8, starting in verse 5. Again, here it is. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. 
But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. That's kingdom-minded. So letting your sinful nature control your your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Life is all about choices. What kind of choices are you going to make? And in in this context, the choice is, do we want to be controlled by our sinful nature, which leads to spiritual death? Or do we want to set our thoughts on the things of God, having a kingdom mindset that leads to spiritual life? You know, when I have tough chapters in life and I'm just like, we've got a lot of things I'm dealing with here, there's those little glimmers of hope and life that creep up, that, 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 that come up within me. And I know that that's God's Holy Spirit saying, I'm with you in this. I'm with you in this. That's life, spiritual life. A kingdom mindset is what will lead to life and help create the desire for something new when we're looking for a reset, when we're looking for God to move in our lives, when we're looking for where he's at so we can follow him in the direction that we want to go and then line up with the direction he wants us to go. And so how do we do this? Right? How, how do we silence the battling going on in our heads? How do I keep a kingdom mindset to create the desire for a healthy reset? It's a new year. Maybe, maybe my finances are a mess and I'm done with this. I'm ready for a change. God, I need your help. Maybe my marriage has been out of sync for so many years. I think we're both ready for something new, which new means we want to work at this. New doesn't mean we want to split. We want to work this out. I have career. I have schooling. I have this. I have habits that I want to break or create, routines I want to get started. How do I do this when my mind just, I can't focus on anything? Philippians chapter 4 says this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's it right there. And if you can't think of, I don't know what is true, I don't know what is honorable, I don't know what is right, we'll start reading this. It's a good place to start. You know, you know, when I was I didn't even know I had a call in my life for ministry, but I silenced everything. I, I did this unbeknownst to me. I felt like the Holy Spirit, I, I, I didn't know the Holy Spirit was telling me to do this. You know, you know what I did? I stopped listening to music, period, because music was connected to my past. And so I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm too connected to it. When this song comes on, I think about these things and that and stuff. And, 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 I, and I read God's word like as much as I could. And then, and then I would go about my day and I would recite everything that I just read, even the riveting stuff in Numbers and Leviticus. I would recite it though, but I would. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I was filling myself with what was true and honorable and, and, and pure and right and lovely. 
And then after a while, after about two years, I started incorporating music back into my life, but only worship music. And then it was probably about another couple years later, I started kind of listening to some secular music again. You know, I'm not against, you know, I listen to anything now. But there was a period in my life where God was saying, listen, I, I don't want you to have that noise in your head. I just want you to have my voice in your head. And that's what it was. When we're listening to God, I didn't even realize it at the time, but I was listening to something the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. So what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you thinking about? What are you scrolling through endlessly and liking and loving and caring for and commenting on? How, how, you, you know, I don't know about Androids, but on iPhones, it, 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 it tracks how much time you spend on social media and the internet and everything else. It should track how much time you spend reading in the Bible, too. I bet that'd be an eye-opener for some of us. Where are you at in, in that with your life? What are you allowing into your, into, your, into your thoughts? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you thinking about? Because we must be intentional on what we allow into our minds. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but these things are like computers that don't erase. Right? At the oddest of moments, this wicked thought will creep up from something from 20 years ago, and you're like, whoa. You know? And you've got to say to yourself, whoa, I'm not thinking about that. Because once you start thinking about it, you're already going down that path. And the word of God will keep you on the right path. So here's the thing, too. Like, you might be thinking to yourself, well, it's hard to control what I'm thinking about. It's hard not to let my mind wander. It's hard not to click on certain websites. It's, it's hard not to watch certain content. It's hard not to go to certain places and hang out. Because all my friends are doing these things and they seem to be doing just fine. Well, the, the real question to ask is, are they? Because what's on the outside is not what's on the inside. Here's the thing, church, if, if you want to, to implement the things we're talking about today, it takes hard work and determination. You can't just say, God, please help me in this area. I'm struggling, I need help. And then sit there and say, I need help, I need help, I need help. Like, Savon, does anybody come to the gym and just sit on a bench and start getting stronger? If that was the case, I probably wouldn't be working. I wouldn't either. I'd be the biggest man in the room. You got to work at things. It takes hard work. It takes determination. And it takes the word of God and especially verses and passages that we're looking at today to help us. You know, listen, we all know that if we eat healthy, we will become healthier. And if we eat junk food and fast food all the time, we're not going to be as healthy. We all know that if we work out and we run and we exercise, we will be healthy. But if we just sit around and do nothing all day and nap and don't work and don't do anything, we will not be healthy. We know this. It's our choice. Life is all about choices. If, if you're not willing to better yourself, then don't wonder why you're not where you want to be. If you're not willing to better yourself, then don't wonder why you're not where you want to be. You know, it's choices and it's free will. 
And the choices we make in life affect our spiritual life. And it all starts with our minds, with our thoughts. I want to, here's a proverb. You ready for this? Proverbs 15, 14. This is a New Living Translation. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. You write that one down. So we'll close it with this. All right, we're gonna, I want to put one more verse up there that we started off with. Colossians 3, verse 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For the desire for something new to be birthed in our spirits, we need to be focused on the things of heaven if we want our creator to help us in the process. And since our thoughts direct our lives, our thoughts determine the direction we are heading. We need to ask ourselves, you know, how serious am I on getting this reset going? I sense a change needs to take place, so how serious am I in putting in the hard work for the change? Are we willing to stop feeding our minds with certain things? Are we serious about keeping the things of heaven at the forefront of our thoughts instead of the things of the earth? And if the answer to that is yes, I'm serious for making a change, then it all starts with reading God's word. You want help with your finances? You want help with your marriage? You want help with your job? You want help with your relationships? Start reading the Bible and ask God, can you point me out something that will help me? And I'll end the sermon with this. We have, every January, we put out Bible reading plans. Pick one up. They're out in the foyer. They're all over the place. They look like this. And get started on the change. How do I, how do I start a kingdom-minded mindset, Chip? Pick up a Bible reading plan. Start reading God's Word. And slowly but surely, you'll start thinking about the things of God. Amen? All right, let's pray. Well, Lord God, I thank you for, I thank you for these passages, some of which are really kind of tough to swallow and, and some of which bring conviction and, and, and strike at the core. And, and, and I'm thankful that the Apostle Paul was transparent in how he felt with his sinful nature and how he struggled with that and how really we can all relate to that. And if he didn't write that down, we might think something is wrong with us. But church, it's something that everybody goes through. But we can overcome it with the word of God. And so I want to thank you for that, Jesus. And as we head into a time of worship, I just want to pray that, that you know what, what I want to pray is that we are open with Jesus about where, where we are at. Maybe you're not where you should be spiritually. Maybe your, your mind has wandered so far off the path that, that you need to get back. All you got to do is ask Jesus. Because here's the thing, he's been waiting for you to ask. He's been waiting. And so let's press into that as we head into a time of worship and um, see what God has for us. Be open to what he has for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.